Our first scripture reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 7. I'll be reading verses 21 through 29. Jesus was speaking. This is at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount. And he said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Please remain standing for our reading from the book of James, chapter 1, beginning in verse 16. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls, but be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless." May God give us ears to hear what his spirit is saying to the church this morning. Please be seated. Let us pray. Father, as we open your word this morning, we pray that you would open our hearts. That, Father, we would receive this word implanted into ourselves, which is able to save us. And that, Father, we would receive it in such a way that we would not only be hearers of the word, but we would be doers of the word, bringing glory and honor and praise to you through Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. So we are in this series on the book of James, and last week we were talking about praying for wisdom during times of trial, something that James, the bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, actually commanded us to do in chapter 1, verse 5, where he wrote, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, 
who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. The thing is, in verses 2 and 3 of James chapter 1, the apostle had already given us God's wisdom for trials. He wrote, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Remember, this is not just good advice. It's not hard to find a commentary on the book of James that will say something like, James is sort of a New Testament version of the book of Proverbs, and the statements that James makes are not really linked together in the way that we would find those in other New Testament books. I do not believe that that is true. James wrote as the bond servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wrote the word of the Lord. This is not just good advice. It's not just proverbial advice. It is apostolic command. It is the word of the Lord. This is the very thing that we as Christians are exhorted, that we are commanded to do when we find ourselves in times of trouble and the minute I say those words, I think of the arguably more popular advice that's out there when you find yourself in times of trouble, just let it be. But that's not the word of the Lord. That is not the way that we as Christians are supposed to respond to the struggles and the trials that come our way. When we find ourselves in times of trouble, we are to count it all joy. Or in the words of the Apostle Paul from Romans chapter 5, we are to rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint. It does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So when we ask God, for wisdom and trials. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. When we ask God for wisdom in the trials and troubles of this life, we can rest assured that he will give it to us because frankly, he has already given us the wisdom that we need. He has given us his word. He has given us the scriptures which are living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And in James chapter 1, we are told that this wisdom, this word from God, is actually the very point at which our Christian lives began. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. Can, can there really be any question as to whether or not James was a Calvinist when it came to soteriology? Of his own will, of God's own will, he, God, brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures, that we should be holy unto him, that we should be that offering that was given at the beginning of the harvest to signify that the entire harvest belonged to and was holy to the Lord. He brought us forth by the word of truth 
so that we would be holy. Peter puts it in the reverse order in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. He wrote, Having purified your souls by obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. He brought us forth by the word of truth. You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed through the living and abiding word of God. So if we are children of God, if we are Christians, it is because we have been born again through the word of God. If we are the children of God, it is because he brought us forth by the word of truth. So when James wrote in verse 19, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear. He's not just doling out a heap and helping of homespun wisdom. Like when your grandma used to say, Remember, God gave everyone two ears and one mouth. Well, that's true, and even her intention in saying it was probably true. I remember another aphorism that says something to the effect of, it is better to keep your mouth closed and let people think you are a fool than to open it and remove all doubt, and that too is probably true. But given that James just referenced the word of truth, in the verse immediately preceding, and that he was going to speak of the implanted word which is able to save your souls in his very next sentence. It's clear that he had something else in mind when he wrote, let every person be quick to hear. Quick to hear what? We might ask and we find the answer right here, bracketing the command. Verses 18 and 21, quick to hear the word of truth quick to receive with meekness, to hear. That's how we receive the word, the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. See, it's by that word, the word of God, the holy and divine scriptures, as they are called in the Belgic Confession. It's by that word which God makes himself known to us more openly, where he gives us wisdom as much as we need in this life for his glory and for the salvation of his own. Once again, as it says in our confession of faith, even so, when we ask God for wisdom, he gives it generously and without reproach. You have it. Maybe on your lap or in the pew in front of you or on the shelf or a coffee table at home. To those who do not doubt that what he says is true, he gives his word generously. To those who are willing because they understand it is his word to put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. To them, this book, the Bible... This is the wisdom that is from above. James is going to speak of wisdom from above in James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. And like every good and perfect gift, the wisdom that is from above comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. 
James is not instructing us to pray for some secret wisdom, some secret knowledge. He's instructing us to pray for the wisdom of God that God has given through apostles and prophets and then set down in Scripture for every generation of his people to have. This is the wisdom that is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. This is the wisdom that makes us slow to speak and slow to anger because a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace and because the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. That the righteous life that God desires doesn't come from within us, it doesn't come from our feelings, it doesn't come from our own strength, it comes instead from hearing and doing the word of God. Because hearing and doing the word is exactly what it means to receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. We have to hear it first. We can hear it preached, we can hear it read, we can read it for ourselves, we can go to any one of probably a hundred apps these days and listen to the word. And we must, because faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. But verse 22, James says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Because if you hear it, but you don't put it into practice, then you're deceiving yourself. Then James follows up with a simple illustration. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Now, mirrors then weren't anything like they are now. Mirrors then were essentially just a piece of polished bronze or polished silver. But the reason for looking into a mirror has always been the same. You look into a mirror to see what you look like. And if your face is dirty, then you wash. If you look into the mirror in the morning and your hair is a mess, something I don't have to contend with, obviously, but some of you do, and if you look into the mirror and your hair is a mess, then you brush it. You look into a mirror to diagnose the state of your appearance, and then, having done that, when you find something wanting, you fix it. Likewise, the implanted word, the word of truth, the perfect law, the law of liberty. Of these, Calvin wrote, heavenly doctrine is indeed a mirror in which God presents himself to our view but he presents himself to our view so that we may be transformed unto his image. That's the point of reading scripture. That's the point of looking into the perfect law that gives liberty. It gives liberty to those who look into it, who see the image of God in the face of Christ and who because of that desire to be transformed into that image by being doers of the word of God. But to look into the word and immediately forget 
that Scripture calls us to action. To be a mere hearer is to deceive ourselves. If we have devotions every day, if we come to church and we hear the word, but in those in-between times, when we're not actually gazing into the perfect law that gives liberty, we live in some other way, we're deceiving ourselves. Our religion, as James will say a couple of verses later, is worthless. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. There's a grammatical link here. Because early on in this chapter, James talked about, count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds, knowing this, that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. That word steadfastness, sometimes translated patience, sometimes perseverance. It's a different form of this word perseveres that we find here in James 1.25. And so James is saying, count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds, because trials, which amount to the testing of your faith, produce perseverance. Well, how? Well, Here's the wisdom of God on this. When you look into the law, the law of liberty, when you look into the word of God, when you let God speak through the scriptures and you persevere in doing what God is saying, then you're no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. He will be blessed in his doing. And that text that we read a little bit earlier from the Gospel of Matthew tells us how, how we will be blessed in our doing of the word. Because at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus, who was the half-brother of James, also spoke of the difference between hearing and doing the word. As we read in the story just a little bit earlier, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So a couple of things. The difference was not in whether or not the people Jesus is talking about heard his words. Both people in this parable heard the word. The one who heard the word and put it into practice, the one who heard his word and didn't. And the difference was not found in the trials either. Jesus describes both people as experiencing the same trial. Just as God makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust, in the same way the rains fall and the floods come and the winds blow against the houses of believers and unbelievers alike. A raging river is no respecter of persons or property. And we all meet trials of various kinds in this life. So the difference is not in the trials that we encounter either. Rather, the difference is found 
in whether or not people will be doers of the word, whether or not they will put into practice what they have heard in the word of God. And of course, then in the end result of that as well, for when the trials came, the one who had built his house on the foundation of doing the word was left with a place to stand. The winds blew and the rains fell and the floods rose, but his house, not his literal house, but his spiritual dwelling place did not fall because it was founded on the rock. But the one who heard and did not put into practice the word of Christ, his house fell, and great was the fall of it. James spoke in very similar terms, but the one who looks into the perfect law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. He will be blessed in his doing. On the other hand, James says, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. James is going to talk about this particular thing again at more length, so we'll deal with it when we get to that point. But once again, this is synecdoche. It is that figure of speech in which a writer or a speaker lets some part stand for the whole. As I mentioned last week, we often read in Scripture about the hand of God doing something. Well, it's not just God's hand, it's God, it's all of God who is active and busy in the world that he made. But sometimes God is represented by his hand, by the way in which he works. And in the reference to bridling the tongue, which is just one particular aspect of doing the word, that stands for all. And that makes sense. Because in the very next chapter, James would write, for whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. Now, as I say, said he's going to expand on this a bit, and if the Lord is willing, we'll be considering that in the next couple of weeks. For now, though, it's clear that if our religion, that system of doctrine, that belief system on which we rely, not only in life but also in death, is worthless because we are not doers of the word, then we stand in a very, very slippery place. But there is a kind of religion that is not worthless. There is a foundation. There is a place to stand. There is a dwelling place that the trials and struggles of this life cannot destroy. And let me close by reading it again from James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. May we pray. Father, give your church ears to hear what your spirit is saying today. That, Lord, we may take to heart the word of truth, the implanted word which is able to save our souls. And that, Father, we may determine 
by your grace, in your strength, and in the power of your Holy Spirit to put into practice that we, which we have heard. That, Father, we would not be those who deceive themselves, but rather we would be those who serve you in the strength of your Holy Spirit according to the word of truth, and so bring glory and honor and praise to you and to your Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.